Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. What if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that's exactly what you'll get. They can help you in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job or a new full-time role, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com. That's ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. What is fascinating out there, too, is as we kind of dive into this Russell Westbrook versus Kevin Durant business in general, um, is there's a story out there right now where Kevin Durant just can't get out of his own way. And I think part of the reason why Durant has been so criticized is because he clearly let it be known that he cares deeply about what people say about him. And Kevin Durant, undoubtedly, and LeBron James, I think this is where they're somewhat similar, have incredible rabbit ears. They're great players, probably one and two in the NBA right now. If you had to pick the two best players, I think you'd probably go still LeBron one, Durant two. And if you were buying long-term, you would go Durant with the uh, with the upside because he's younger. And because I think LeBron has started to hit the wall already in this playoffs, and Durant doesn't have to carry as much of a burden with the Golden State Warriors. But this Westbrook versus Durant is the modern day, I would say, Kobe versus Shaq. And as if this story were not already still kind of percolating out there, Durant recently has been out there doing something that I think is uh, is, is ridiculous, which is constantly searching his social media feeds to see what people are saying about him. And if you remember in the early part of this year, Durant got caught using a burner account on Twitter responding to trolls saying that Russell Westbrook was the only good player on the Thunder, that he didn't like playing for Billy Donovan. Uh, And then he said, you know what, I shouldn't have been using a burner account to defend himself. Uh, Which makes me wonder how many athletes have these burner accounts, how many people who are prominent 
in uh, in what I do have these burner accounts. I will tell you on my children's uh, on my children's you know future inheritance that uh, I have absolutely no burner accounts, and I think it's crazy to even contemplate the idea. But this story is vintage Durant, where he was accused of liking a story having to do with the fact that Kevin Durant was uh, Kevin Durant was rolling through his Instagram account, uh, and he accidentally this is so, so NBA it hurts. He said he accidentally liked an Instagram comment criticizing former teammate Russell Westbrook. I think the likelihood of him accidentally liking that comment of all comments seems to be pretty low, right? I, I, I always think about that, like, am I going to accidentally like something? Do you know how many times I've accidentally liked something on Twitter? Maybe two or three. And do you know how many times it's been a blockbuster story like this? not like Kevin Durant accidentally liked some random comment on Instagram that had absolutely nothing to do with anything. If you accidentally like something, it probably means that you pulled it up and were looking at it and were intrigued by it, which leaves me with why, if you were the second best in the world at what you do, like Kevin Durant, why do you need a social media account at all? I understand why if you're the 48th best person at what you do and you're worried about what your career is going to be like when your career is over, why you might decide that you need a social media presence and to be active on social media. If you're the second best in the world at what you do, why even need a social media account? What has Kevin Durant gained himself by having social media accounts? Think about all the time that he has spent on them. If he's the second best in the world at basketball, what has he actually gained by it? I just I, I just don't view that as any kind of worthy use of his time at all. All it's led him is getting caught with a burner account on Twitter and now having to answer questions about accidentally liking Instagram posts involving Russell Westbrook when it seemed like after a couple of years of tumultuousness, his relationship with Russell Westbrook wasn't actually that freighted with discomfort anymore. And now he's probably gone and taken it to the next level. Because if you're Russell Westbrook, you're certainly not going to believe that Kevin Durant accidentally liked an Instagram post that just so happened to criticize you. It's not like he accidentally liked an Instagram post that said, man, Russell Westbrook is so much fun to watch play basketball. It's not like he accidentally liked a Instagram post that said, Kevin, even a praise worthy of him, Kevin Durant's a great player. The only way it's a story is if he does what he does, which is accidentally like, maybe, a story about Russell Westbrook being overrated. Yes, he won the MVP. Yes, he is at the anti- the, basically the exact opposite of Kevin Durant. Now there's uh, let me bring in uh, uh, Jason Martin. There we were all looking. I rely almost completely on the website Sport Track to track all player contracts. And unfortunately, it wasn't just me. It's also Danny G and Justin. They say that Russell Westbrook has an out on his contract. And Jason Martin, you say you've been doing research and that he doesn't have any out at all and that that website is wrong, which I've relied on for years to update the latest on the contracts of pretty much every athlete, and that that website that we all three looked at before the show started this morning to check on it, because I was curious um, what exactly the story was with Russell Westbrook, that he has no escape. If he has no escape, then this is even more of, I think, an indictment of his decision-making 
I thought he had signed that extension and that actually there was a back door that he could get out of. I thought I had read that when he signed it. If he actually has no ability to escape this contract at all, it's even more of an awful decision. Yes, he's going to make a lot of money, but the Thunder are nowhere near competing for any kind of level of championship, and they're 2-7 and seven in the playoffs since they lost that Game 7 to the Golden State Warriors and Kevin Durant left. They lost 4-1 last year to the Houston Rockets. They're likely to lose this year now that they're down 3-1 to the Jazz, and Russell Westbrook is likely to lose Paul George, which is going to make that team that much worse next year. Carmelo Anthony has nothing left. What is his actual ability to get out of this deal? I'm still double-checking because what you're saying doesn't... like. I thought that there was probably an opt-out somewhere in there as well, but I don't see anything. All I see is that this extension, this five-year, $205 million contract extension that he signed which, which at the was end a huge of September... Deal, which was a huge deal, deal that everybody history. paid attention to. Um, and it was like the it kind of brought home the exact opposite level of him being the opposite of Kevin Durant and how unexpected it was that Westbrook was going to be the guy to commit. But I thought there was a back end where he could get out after a couple of years if he didn't have success. That's what the website Sport Track has, which has been, I mean, to be honest, that's the website that I go to to look at all my NBA and NHL, NFL contract news. And they've never led me astray so far. So when I looked at that, and then Danny G and Robert, uh, sorry, Danny G and Justin did the same thing. But if he's actually locked in and unable to get away, then uh, that's that's something different than what I remembered. And certainly it's even worse for him because the Thunder are, to me, close to becoming an irrelevant franchise with one decent player by next year. What was Russell Westbrook thinking if he hasn't given himself a way out? I mean, unless he just decided he wanted to be the richest guy in NBA history on but one he could contract. Make, yeah, but he could make that money and very similar amounts to it all over the NBA. I know he gets the exemption because he's a player who's there and, and everything else, but I, I just find it impossible to believe that you want to be Russell Westbrook dominating uh, like he has been dominating on the court, but having absolutely no chance whatsoever to actually win a title. Uh, let's go ahead and bring in uh, Eddie Garcia. We'll talk about this more on the flip side. But, Eddie, what's shaking the world of sports? Well, let's give you the playoff report presented by Geico in the NBA. The Rockets beat the Timberwolves on the road 119-100. to Houston outscoring Minnesota 50-20 to in the third quarter. That's the second most points scored in a quarter in playoff history. James Harden, Houston's MVP candidate, led the way with 36 points. Houston has a 3-1 series lead. Jazz over the Thunder, 113-96. Utah's Rookie of the Year candidate, Donovan Mitchell, led all scorers with 33 points. After losing the series opener, Utah's won three in a row for the 3-1 series advantage. NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, the Capitals eliminate the Blue Jackets with a 6-3 win in Columbus. After losing the first two games at home of the series, Washington went on to win four straight to win the series 4-2. They'll face the Pittsburgh Penguins in round number two and the Maple Leafs avoid elimination with a 3-1 win over the Bruins that series is tied at three while we'll the deciding game seven Wednesday in Boston and this report is brought to you by True Car online car shopping can be confusing not anymore with true price from True Car now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience and a couple of notes from baseball the Angels shut off the Astros 2-0 LA improving to 15-8 on the year Houston now 16-8 and the Yankees clobber the Twins 14-1. Giancarlo Stanton a home run and his first four-hit game as a Yankee for New York. Back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. 
Thanks uh, once more. We are live here in the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. So two and seven since Kevin Durant left, the drama of the liked Instagram post uh, notwithstanding. The Thunder are dead, aren't they? I mean, what can the Thunder do at this point to be relevant as a team that wants to win a championship? And if the answer is virtually nothing, because I think everybody out there believes that Paul George is going to leave at the end of this season. And if you were advising Paul George, what would you have seen from the Thunder in the past year that makes you believe you should re-up with them? Kevin Durant uh, leaves. Russell Westbrook left holding the bag. He signs this contract extension, which is going to take him into his 30s at a minimum before he can start to maybe exert pressure to get out of his deal. I'm not even sure that without Paul George next year, the Thunder are a playoff team. What's the solution here? Didn't Kevin Durant, like if you go back and look at this situation right now, Durant is favored to win his second straight championship. Russell Westbrook is favored to go to his second straight first round playoff defeat, even though he's been individually spectacular. Didn't Durant make the right move from a purely business perspective if the goal is to win championships beyond a shadow of a doubt? And didn't Russell Westbrook make a disastrous decision unless your goal is just to win, just to make money because he's basically pegged himself to a dying franchise that's, frankly, going to get worse, it would appear to me, each of the next two years at a minimum. I just don't see how they are going to get better. Jason, make the case for me if you're an Oklahoma City Thunder fan for why this is anything other than a prelude of a long list of disaster coming your way. Well, first off, I agree with you. I think from a business standpoint, if you if you want to win championships, Durant did what Durant had to do. But I'm going to go further than that. As somebody that's watched Oklahoma City pretty closely, obviously, for the last several years, James Harden leaves. We've seen what James Harden's done. Kevin Durant left. We've seen what Kevin Durant has done. Victor Oladipo has become a top 15 scorer in the league. Averaged 24.5 points per game this past season. A top 15 three-point shooter at just under 45% a game. He's one of three guards in the league, now averaging at least a steal and a block per game during the regular season. Oladipo was useless for Oklahoma City. DeMontis Sabonis Played 66 games in his first season. Only had 5.9 points per game. He's doubled his points. He's doubled his rebounds. He's doubled his assists. And he's become a key rotation player on the number five seed. Or in the, yeah, in the number five seed in the East right now. And then you've got Ennis Cantor before he got hurt. And what we've seen him do up in New York since he got out from underneath Russell Westbrook. What it seems to say is that if you play in Oklahoma City... A lot of points are going to be scored. They're not going to be yours. A lot of assists are going to come your way uh, because somebody's trying to stat pad. And it seems like once you leave, a lot of things change. There are several different stat categories. Usage rate, points per game, rebound percentage, assist percentage, and player efficiency rating. This is from a Ringer article that came out back in December that basically suggested that somewhere between 15 and 35% uh, you increase in those categories when you get away from Russell Westbrook in your first non-Westbrook season somewhere else. That's pretty damning 
in terms of if you're trying to be a player, if you look at that at all or if you pay attention to what's been happening at all, the problem I think for Oklahoma City is if Paul George leaves and they're trying to bring in somebody else and Carmelo Anthony's about to make $29.7 million in his one more season that he's locked in, what exact, who's going to want to come there? As great as the fans are, as great as the ownership is, you're going to go there and you're going to fall into obscurity as a player compared to someone else who seems to be in it more for themselves than they do for the team. There's just too much evidence of guys that have left and gotten so much better. Like How, how did Victor Oladipo do nothing when he was in Oklahoma City and we've seen what Oladipo has done since? That, to me is the huge problem if you're looking at Oklahoma City trying to land other free agents, if they're paying attention at all to what's happened to everybody else that's left. And again, I think you have to go back and recontextualize the Kevin Durant story because to me, Durant was so upset by the criticism. I think that's the biggest thing you can say about Durant is that he should have just turned off his social media. And by the way, I think there's a a strong argument to be made that lots of people in this country should just turn off their social media, including our president, by the way. Um, I think there are a lot of people that social media brings out their worst side, and they just can't handle it. And I think Kevin Durant is one of them. Now, you can at least argue, oh, well, somebody like Donald Trump, they need social media to get out their message. I'm not sure that's true, but let's even assume that it's true. Okay, I think that social media is a net negative for Donald Trump personally, I know it's a net negative for Kevin Durant because he gets hurt by what he reads. He cares way too much about what other people say about him. I'll use you as an example. Kevin Durant is the second best player in the world, probably almost a worst-case scenario at what he does. I am not anywhere near the second best at what I do in the world. Probably not right now, okay? But... I don't really spend any time paying attention to what people tell me on social media. It has, I I legitimately believe this, almost zero impact on a day-to-day in terms of how I feel. It makes my job better because I'm able to use it for distribution and use it basically as a megaphone to promote what we're doing. But there's very little time, if at all, where anything anybody has said about me on social media has ever impacted me. And if I and I'm a scintilla as famous as Kevin Durant and a scintilla as good at what I do as Kevin Durant is, if I can come to that conclusion that social media really doesn't impact me at all, and I don't ever go out seeking other people's opinions of me, why in the world is Kevin Durant doing this? Because I think one of the reasons why the criticism rained down on Kevin Durant because he went to the Golden State Warriors is because it became so self-evident that he was bothered by the criticism. Just turn off your social media accounts. If you never get on Instagram again, if you never get on Twitter again, if you never get on anything other than being able to text people that you know and have face-to-face interactions with them, aren't you probably going to feel better if you're Kevin Durant? Now he's gonna get he's getting validated here, I think, in a big way. Because all the data you just gave us about everybody getting better without Russell Westbrook, I think Durant's a smart guy, and I think he looked around at Russell Westbrook and said, he's an incredible talent, but he is a meteor streaking across the night sky. He is a soul 
unbelievable, incredible sight to behold, but he's a, a solo act. He's not a guy who's going to make everybody else around him better. And I think that's what you have to say based on the data when you look at Russell Westbrook right now. And if that is true, and certainly when you look at the data of a guy like Oladipo, and when you look at what Paul George and Carmelo Anthony have become this year, I don't think they've taken some unbelievable step to become a massively successful team. I think you have to go look at the actual results. It's not a great Jazz team. It's not an unstoppable Jazz team. Ricky Rubio is having the best postseason of his career by far. The first postseason of his career, I believe, since he left the Timberwolves. And the Timberwolves weren't in the playoffs for 13 years. And he's doing it at Russell Westbrook's expense. And now Westbrook is 2-7 and seven in the postseason since Kevin Durant left. I just see this as a no-brainer. Russell Westbrook is probably, probably the most overrated player in the modern history of the NBA. Great individual talent. Yes, he can fill in a stat sheet, but he can't do what's the most important thing, which is win in the NBA playoffs once they actually arrive. And if he can't do it this year with Paul George, and if he can't do it with this year's version of Carmelo Anthony, why is he going to be able to do it at all in the years ahead, however long he stays committed to Oklahoma City? And or is Oklahoma City going to, at some point, just decide, you know what? We've got to completely rebuild. We're going to be a 35-win team with Russell Westbrook posting a lot of big numbers in the years ahead if you look at where this franchise is headed. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Petros Papadakis joins us here in the Geico Outkick studios. Uh, Petros, my man, L.A. story. I feel like we've been asking you about this for months, but this is the last time we'll ask you about it because the draft is Thursday. Rosen versus Darnold. How interested are you to see where these guys end up? Thank God. I thought you were going to ask me about LeVar Ball. I don't know what LeVar's been up to. Is he still in Lithuania? <laughs> no, no, I don't know. He's back. Uh, <laughs> Sam Darnold or Rosen, who do you want me to start with? Uh, I, how, first first question is, are you, do, are you legitimately intrigued to watch the draft and see where these guys go, or is this something that to you is not that interesting until football actually starts? Well, I've never been as interested in, like, hand measurements and the frenzy and the rumor mill and this guy's going up this guy's going down and oh my god todd mcshay's mock draft came yes. out i do really like daniel jeremiah i think he does a great job analyzing this and he does it in a less definitive and kind of more easy way to listen to as opposed to being lectured by some personnel person but I, I, I'm intrigued. I, I've watched these guys both play, especially Rosen in high school, and I became enamored with Darnold and his ability at USC and kind of the one-man offense that he was within Clay Helton's offense, which you know I don't like very much. But I, I want to see where they go. I'd be interested to see if Rosen drops and what, how he handles that and how the coverage handles that but I have to do this on a on a haunted boat I have to I have to do a Chargers draft party for season ticket holders on the freaking Queen Mary <laughs> oh god 
Do you know the Queen Mary? No, I don't know anything at all about this. What, 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 what in the world are you? Have you found yourself doing here? Have you ever heard of the Queen Mary? Yeah, I have, but I thought the Queen Mary was in the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, I'm sure at one point it was, and it was now a, it's all it's a boat. Yeah, but I'm, yeah, but I mean, I I typically think of like the boat being on one side of our country or another, and not going through the uh, the Panama City Canal or Panama whatever it is, Panama Canal. Um, but so no, I don't know what's the what's the the legacy of the uh, Queen Mary. But uh, well, it's a it's a boat that that has done a lot of things. It fought in World War II, uh, you know, as a as a ship, and uh, it it was a cruise liner. It was a giant brothel. It's done all kinds of stuff. I had a winter formal there, and now I have to do a Chargers uh, season ticket holder draft party from the deck. We're picking at 17. So will you actually be out at sea, or does it stay completely at the dock when you're there? I have lived in the harbor area of Los Angeles for 40 years. Yes. And... I have never seen it move an inch. Okay, because that's like the uh, – it's in perpetual dry dock. That's the way that they get away with legalizing gambling in many different jurisdictions. Have you ever seen this? I don't know if you've seen uh, – I have it's, been on a boat on Lake Pontchartrain. Yes. The riverboat gambling is somehow an exception, <laughs> which is amazing to me that anybody ever thought that that exception would work because the casino gambling on – uh, tribal lands make sense in some way because they have a form of sovereignty over their land and everything else. But the idea that if you put a boat on a on water, like the Mississippi River or you know like some you know waterway, uh, the Ohio River, like they do in in Ohio in Cincinnati, um, all these places that they'll allow riverboat gambling to then take place is is insane to me. Um, but uh, well, that but was so, the premise behind the Minnesota Vikings boat party. They yeah. Oh yeah. The love boat. Yeah, they love it. So what happens? Have you thought about this? You're doing the Chargers are picking 17, and I've done some of these shows before. And what happens if the Chargers trade the pick? Because then you got a lot more time to fill for the draft party. Like that, that to me is the number one move. Because if the Chargers just decide, you know what, we're trading out of the first round, then literally you would be hosting a party and nothing would happen at the party. Have you contemplated that possibility? I have thought about this. Uh, my radio partner, who is the voice of the Chargers, yes. Will not be there. He'll be working at NFL.com that day. It's an all hands on deck type of deal, as you can imagine, for the draft. Yes. So I'm just going to do our show. And if the picks happen to happen when I care, then I'll get into them. But if I'm talking about the history of the Queen Mary and the ghosts or my winter formal with the Persian princess Nargis Kamali when I was a sophomore, uh, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna cover it. I'm not what happened, gonna cover it. What happened to the Persian princess? Nothing. We went on the. Winter, we went to the winter formal. Nothing no, happened. But this is a high school or, or college. Well, why would I go to a formal in college for God? Because God. they have all these different sorority parties. I thought you might have been the date of a sorority. sorority. Uh, you, the sorority has the party, and you go with the girl. I, I I only went to one of those, and I was humiliated. Yeah, I can imagine that you wouldn't have fit in necessarily that well. That was before your wife was kicked out of their sorority, right? Would you stop? Uh, we never found out why she was kicked out. <laughs> um, we're talking to Petros Papadakis, AM570 Sports in Los Angeles. All right, let's go back to the uh, – so I asked you about what you're doing for the draft. You told us about the haunted boat. What about Rosen versus Darnold um, in terms of – you watch these guys play a ton. And, and I, I know you watch Baker Mayfield also play a lot. I imagine you also watch Lamar Jackson play a lot. It's it's always a crapshoot when it comes to breaking down these guys. I, I've said on the show, 
I watch a lot of college football. I have not seen Josh Allen play that much. Of those five guys, uh, who do you like the most in terms of if you were right now on the spot as a GM, who would be your guy? Darnold. And And it's not because I went to USC. And behind Darnold, gosh, it would be hard to ignore Josh Rosen. But I'd probably take Mayfield because I think he's a great thrower, too. Not the same thrower as Rosen, who's mechanically perfect. But I'm concerned about Rosen, not because of his attitude or any of that stuff. Uh, I think different attitudes work at the quarterback position. But I I just don't think he's that durable. This is a guy that's had two concussions in a month uh, at UCLA in his last year. And big shoulder problems uh, as a tennis player. That's what knocked him out of being a tennis guy. And uh, those shoulder problems came back uh, his sophomore year. So that's what I would be concerned about is Rosen's durability, not his uh, whatever proclivity towards being outlandish or somehow cerebral or whatever he's being. I just think there's way too much damage control going on about Rosen being a kind person and a great teammate. Who cares? Don't worry about it. Just own who you are and get drafted. Uh, Mayfield I like, too. Uh, Lamar Jackson is really intriguing because he's a great athlete. But, I mean, I've also seen this guy make a lot of mistakes and not just turning the ball over like Darnold. I mean, I saw him get in a full-on fist fight inside the five-yard line. Yeah, it didn't get a lot of attention with Kentucky at the final regular season game of his uh, career. Right. I mean, if that happened with Darnold, I, I think that would have gotten a great deal of attention. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, that that was uh, a little bit concerning. Uh, I, I heard that, that people said he's a good kid. I also know people at the college level that would not recruit him at a high school. Uh, there's a reason he ended up at Louisville. I mean, that guy has an unbelievable skill set. He should have been the quarterback at Alabama or, or Ohio State. Uh so that that would be a little bit concerning to me, the, the decision to get in a full-on fist fight when you're the quarterback. You just don't see that uh, as often. Uh, what do you hear? What do you hear about Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold as guys? Not necessarily as football players, but you're in LA. I mean, UCLA, USC, top two of the top, you know, five to eight quarterbacks that are going to be drafted. Let's take it off the field um, in terms of what you hear from coaches, in terms of what you hear from teammates, and kind of their overall vibe. It seems like that Darnold is a lot more of a mellow guy that is less likely to maybe draw attention to himself versus Josh Rosen, who, remember, had the hot tub as his, in, his, in his dorm room his freshman year, I think. Uh, and Rosen, I think, memorably was not offered by David Shaw, right, at Stanford. Shaw was like, yeah, I just don't think you're the guy for us. Um, there's something about Rosen that can rub people the wrong way, maybe teammates as well, coaches. What have you heard just about their individual personalities and how that could factor in too? Well, I think you you summed it up pretty well. Uh, Sam Darnold is a conventionally good guy, mellow guy to be around, kind of like you said. He might even be more than that on the football field. Uh, he might be transcendent of that. I don't. I have never been in his huddle, but to me, he seems pretty damn special, and he's very much universally well liked. Uh, so much so to where you don't have to read articles to convince you how well liked he is, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yes, uh, Rosen, 
on the other hand, as I've said, it was a tennis prodigy, an individual sport. And even within that sport, he was considered pretty cocky as a young guy. And that's interesting because, you know, everybody's pretty cocky in that sport. So you really have to be, uh, you know, pretty, pretty cocksure to stand out. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, and, and on the football field, I, I think Rosen competes. I love the way he throws it. I, I think he gets after it. Uh, I, I've not heard the most wonderful things about him as far as just being a conventional teammate and quarterback. I, I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world. You know, Jay Cutler, he keeps getting paid $10 million a year to come out of retirement or whatever. So I, I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world. I think we've made too much of it. But there is a distinct difference in these guys personality-wise. Do you buy into at all the idea that SC quarterbacks – have been overhyped relative to playing in Southern California, being in LA, being the pro style quarterback, being the big, you know, kind of the straw that stirred the drink in LA for a long time, whether it was Sanchez, whether it was Leinert, uh, whether it was uh, Matt Barkley. You know, you could run through Carson Palmer, a long list of guys that have had pretty good college success, and it just hasn't happened for them necessarily once they got to the pros. Now, uh, Sanchez well, won more of those games. One. Yeah, is that fair to consider them as USC connected, or should you – yeah, I'm kind of curious how you would break that down. Well, I think it's fair to look at the body of work. I mean, the most successful quarterback in USC history, if you're going to go by playoff victories – which is NFL success, right? Yes. Uh, it's Mark Sanchez. And he's got how I mean, he first couple he, of years, he went to back-to-back -to -back AFC like, title games. I yeah, believe something that was. like five and three in the playoffs, which is right. way beyond what most guys have. If you're going to go statistics, Carson Palmer uh, would be that guy. And both yes. of those guys had an incredible measurable skill set. Carson, beyond anything I've seen, in a long time, other than uh, guys like Andrew Luck and Darnold. Carson was just an absolute freak. He ran a 4-5, four, 4-6-40 four, uh, as a college player and ran the ball well and won a Heisman, for God's sakes. Uh, those guys could really play. Uh, Carson had a lot of success and a lot of great stats in the NFL and played for a long time. Uh, I would say Matt Leinart was a really good player, but he had more of one of those kind of Ken Dorsey type of deals. I think he was better than that, but he distributed the ball to a lot of good players around him too, and way more so with a guy like Barkley, who was the most overhyped, and John David Booty, who was very overhyped. But circumstantially, I think they've just kind of been bitten in the NFL. I don't think it, will, I don't think it defines Darnold, because he played for a totally different coach in a totally weird era, coming off uh, Kiffin and Sarkeesian, and they don't even play with a fullback. You know, it's kind of hard to define USC's offense uh, compared to what, what those quarterbacks were playing in. How well coached was Darnold? Not well, if, I, if, if you really have to ask me <laughs> straight up. Uh, and that's your offensive coordinator now, Tyson Helton. Yes, he's moved uh, to Tennessee. Yeah, I would, oh, you know, guess who he was in love with as a young man? Nargis Kamali. Oh, really? The, the girl I took to the winter formal <laughs> at the Queen Mary. What, what, is, what is Nargis Kamali up to right now? What are the odds that somebody who is listening to us right now is good friends with Nargis Kamali? Low. She's 
she, you think uh, she's you know is she still in Southern California? Uh she uh she is uh she's disappeared. Like it legitimately disappeared? Like nobody knows she's not on Facebook, she's not anywhere. I, I don't know. But I've never talked I have not I've not talked to her or about her in quite some time. How would you spell yesterday when we were I, talking about the Queen Mary? How do you spell Nargis Kamali? Do you remember? I don't remember. N-A-R-G-I-S. I just I just G I S I, I'm not sure if it's G-U-S, G-E-S, or G-I-S. This seems like, and, and I just typed in with a U-S, and there is a Nargis Kamali out there. Well, there's and, many in the, in the Persian world. There, there, are, there are literally hundreds. Oh, okay. That's a very common Persian name. I've just never heard it before. Yeah. Well, anyway, Tyson Helton was his uh, quarterback coach, and then oddly T. Martin, who was a quarterback uh, in, in college, obviously, uh, he he is the wide receiver coach at USC, and the and, but he has the offensive coordinator title, and I I just think you'll see with Darnold, as with some of these other guys like you saw with Juju Smith, the second they get into the NFL and start getting some serious coaching, which was the level of coaching USC had when guys like uh, Matt Leinart were there, uh, you'll see him take big jumps. Yeah. I, by the way, we just put up a poll question earlier. Who, which quarterback would you take first in the NFL draft? Darnold is winning by with thirty-seven percent of the vote. Baker Mayfield right now coming in at thirty-one percent, and then Rosen and Josh Allen are both at sixteen percent. And inevitably, people, you ever do these Twitter polls, Petters? You only get four options. So inevitably, people are like, well, where's Lamar Jackson? Well, he's the fifth option, right? Like he's number five. If Twitter gave me like ten options, I would put down a bunch of names. But Lamar Jackson is not able to be there because I'm taking the top four options, and Twitter only gives me four options. You seem like, you, yeah, that's right, and also racist. because I'm racist. It's also because I'm racist. I was um, going to say that. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I'm just trying to keep the black man down by not including him in my Twitter poll for which quarterback to take. I could, I could. Have you ever done one of these Twitter polls? It seems like to me you would get driven insane by them. I don't know how they work. It's There's easy. so many things like I don't even know how to do Instagram and like put up a picture. I don't know like, how to do it. I'm not on Instagram it. either. But you know what? You're ugly like me. The only people who need to be on Instagram are good-looking women. 95% of Instagram's value as a market cap of a company is predicated on the fact that good-looking women put pictures up there. I'm not even kidding about that. The only thing that people ever link to me on Instagram and say, like, hey, did you see this on Instagram, are two things. One, NBA players, like, either saying something dumb or accidentally liking something, like happened with Kevin Durant and uh, and Russell Westbrook uh, the debate, or two, a hot girl who, like, an athlete is following or something. I think it's, Instagram exists only for attractive women to post pictures of themselves doing squats. That's basically what I've learned. Well, perhaps you're right, but I, I use Instagram to promote my television, my radio show. What do you do? Put up pictures of yourself? No, uh, I put a picture of recently of an old radio poster of uh, Scott Cotsworth. Uh, so would you do something that's the question would you do something different on instagram than you would put on twitter because my thing is people well, can I see pictures that i post video, on twitter video related i put a picture of a video of me watching the notre dame spring game with my children <laughs> how did the notre dame spring game go by the way i have uh steven Winbush is still inconsistent i have steven seagal eating a carrot i'm looking at my instagram right now Steven Steven Seagal, he's come in for some. I know you're a big Steven Seagal fan. Are you troubled by the the pressure that he's found himself under in the Me Too era? Yes, I am. It's and like the only thing people have talked about Steven Seagal for the last 15 years is the Me Too thing, right? I, like 
I don't remember anything about Steven Seagal until this. I uh, I never I I never had a problem where where I would mention my favorite film, Marked for Death, or Hard for Kill, or Hard to Kill. Excuse me, when he was Mason Storm. Uh, I I never had a I never had a problem mentioning those before over the last eighteen years. But now when you bring up Seagal, you get the inevitable uh, traitor to the country. Yes. Because he's a Russian citizen. Oh, I didn't even know that. Oh, yeah. And a uh, dual citizenship. He's friends with Putin. Oh, wow. And who's a bad guy, right? Evidently, yes. Yeah, Although he does yeah. have a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, um, that, that's, then, uh, that would be an amazing conversation to be able to eavesdrop on. Seagal and Putin just sitting around, like, uh, hanging out, drinking a beer. He stole it. Yeah, he stole it from Robert Kraft. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's, you know, sexual assault and grabbing on everybody and beating up poor Kelly LeBrock. Seagal seems to be a pretty bad guy. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's unfortunate. Uh, you're always a good guy. We'll talk to you next week. And guess what? We won't have to. I'll talk to you about the, uh, uh, the trip onto the boat, but also we won't have to talk about Darnold versus Rosen again. Oh, I think we will. You think that story's going away? Now they're going to have their interviews, and that's maybe a good point. Rosen will piss somebody I, off. Or I've got a, that's, that's, that's a truly great point. I'm going to ask you about Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen every week for the rest of the time that you come on this show. Probably. Can't wait. Uh, have a good workout with, uh, with your boy. Uh, what's his name again? DeAndre? You know what? He just texted me. I got distracted. He texted me that there's no class because there's traffic. I'm going to try to drive to Redondo Beach and make my friend's Joseph's class, but I don't know if I can make it. <laughs> Good luck. Thank you. That's uh, Petros Babadegas. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now.